As this challenging year comes to a close and we look ahead to the next one, we remind everyone, you have more power to create change than you realize. This is Jews Talk Racial Justice with April and Tracy. A weekly show hosted by April Baskin and Tracy Guy Decker. In a complex world, change takes courage. Wholehearted relationships can keep us accountable. I'm saying, I'm saying for this episode, like I really just want yeah, to no, focus no, in around ownership which is different from toxic individualism. To me, there's a healthy balance just in general in life around as much as a person can saying that we are leaders in our for our own life journey yeah. and that leadership is best done in deep partnership and collaboration. And there's a role for community that to me, often people get into this annoying either or garbage. And to me, community and partnership and friendship is vital. And none of those things can compensate for a deep love of self and a profound sense of ownership over every aspect of one's life. And saying not necessarily that everything that happens to me is my fault, but that whatever happens to me, I'm going to have the power of choice going to take ownership over my healing. I'm going to reach for community for the opportunity to engage in uh, communal healing, right? And what does this look like in the context of racial justice for folks to say, I take full ownership around advanced racial justice uh, as, as meaningfully and powerfully and courageously as I can within my own life within the spheres in which I operate. I'm focused on myself and I want you to focus on yourself, not to the exclusion of community, but also in the context of other pieces saying, and specifically, this is like, to me, it's, it's both for people of color and specifically for me as a DEI educator and professional and uh, racial justice activist and leader, in one of the programs I'm running, I feel like people are placing the burden of their own racial justice responsibility at feet, as though I somehow pick up their work for them and carry it. That's generally indicative of someone who's very early on in their journey. And so they still have some of those old internalized patterns that come out of both sexism as well as slavery. So there's both caretaker sexism happening, I think, in part for me as a woman. And often it's not conscious, it's subliminal. But when things get tough, I'm looking for a person of color to help me with this because this is too much for me and you're clearly strong and you can do this. And it's like, no, I can't. I can't carry your liberation for you. I can help facilitate each of us in connecting with each other and doing our own courageous exploration. But for me, uh, I'm excited about people really owning the journey overseeing and saying, I, there's more I need to learn. If I haven't learned everything I need to learn from a teacher, I'm going to still be grateful for what I did learn from them. And then say, okay, what else is there for me to explore and find and take ownership of? And if that feels slightly too onerous, then there are a range, including myself included, hi, as well as a range of other people in the Jewish community and beyond who offer resources to further advance my learning journey toward racial, greater racial justice. Yeah. You seem like you have something to say, Tracy, and you, I always love what you have to say. So, well, there, there are a couple of things that are kind of coming up for me as you're talking. One is, um, in addition to sort of the, what you named of sort of 
the intersectionality of the sexism and the and the racism um, when folks are looking for you to take care of them. There's also, um, I think, people, especially in this realm, underestimate their agency and efficacy um, as I believe. Uh, yes. of, of bypassing. It's a form of bypassing, which I know it is because I used to do it. So when I first started learning about, how, when I first started really paying attention to, to racism and white supremacy culture in a, in a very intentional way, I remember saying like, I don't know what I can do. What can I do? I'm just whatever. And I would name my profession, which is just- Yes. I think baloney. that is so the thought. It's baloney. I've been receiving and, um, like, it's like, I can't do this. And I'm like, yes, you can. I, yeah. Or this, like, I'm not the boss. I can do it for you. I can't do that. <laughs> I'm not right. social justice mammy. It's not going to happen. That's, I need my word. It's not going to get you what you want. And it's not for your boss either. I mean, of course it would be better if you could bring your boss along. But I, I think that that, it, it is a form of, it is a form of bypassing to say like, I can't actually have any effect anyway. So I'm just not going to deal with this. Um, and so I, I want to name that, that that's, um, that then that gets laid at your feet as a woman of color who also does this work. But it also is just a thing that sometimes, especially early in our journeys, we carry around with us, we white folks, um, uh, because we don't feel like making a change and we know it would require a huge change. And I say that with love because that is the way that I initially kind of came into the work. Um, and then the other thing is that you named just now that you and, and there are other folks who do this work, um, people of color, white people, whatever. Um, I, I, I want to name the fact that you get compensated for this and that is appropriate that you should get compensated for it. And I want to caution folks who might be listening, who are, um, you know, white skinned folks who are like, yeah, I have that friend or that colleague who is the person of color who can help me understand this. I just want to say out loud, like this is emotional labor, um, that, it, it's, it takes emotional labor for folks of color to talk about the ways that oppression that affects them shows up. And so it's not a thing that I want. I want to encourage you to make sure that you're in deep relationship and that you are getting consent um, from the people of color in your life who you're reaching out to if they are not folks who do it for a living and you're compensating them. You need to, as I did in our Thanksgiving episode, sort of say like, I want to talk about this. Um, is that okay with you? Are you up for it? And you need to accept no for an answer if no is the answer. Those are the things that came up for me. Especially in light of different power dynamic and also in internalized racism patterns that people have to say, and I'm totally okay if you say, if you say the answer is no. Right. Or if it's not now, or if like actually, you know, or say to me, I completely understand if the answer is no, or if maybe the answer is yes, and it's just it's saying not right now, which is just being extra courteous and honoring the dynamic that, uh, the train dynamic that many people of color have been raised with around fear of consequences for disappointing white people. Right. And fear of repercussion. Uh, yeah. Times people say, oh, we asked them, but it, well, it's like, well, if they, you ask them in the capacity of their job and they're, um, you know, a, a newer hire or the first person of color, it, it, you know, the level of choice there is a slightly up for debate or nuanced discussion. Right. And right. Um, right. And so another thing that's on my mind about this with this idea of ownership, and I can't remember if I've talked about this on the show yet, is something that I learned from Professor Barbara Love. She talks about oppression being like a table. In any oppression dynamic, there's the oppressor group 
that's tabletop and the oppressed group that's positioned to lift up and prop up the oppressor. And what she teaches us is that internalized racism or internalized racial oppression or oppressor patterns, just like sort of like a table. If enough people of color did enough liberation and healing work and didn't, weren't, were no longer permitting the oppression to take place. And this is on like, this is like a meta conversation, right? Right. But that if hypothetically everyone's like, no, I'm not partaking in this system anymore. Right. And similarly, like in either case, which is just makes the point around that in the context of community and support, our individual work is more transformative than many of us realize. Many people of color think they need to get white people to get the, their boot off their neck which also does ideally need to happen. Let me not say that it doesn't. And also a number of white people think they need black people to come in and be their racial justice saviors. And while it is true that ideally racial justice should center the voices of people of color, specifically African heritage people or specifically black people and specifically indigenous native people, um, indigenous leaders and black leaders cannot be responsible for white people taking ownership of. It's that they can be the source of direction and expertise around what needs to happen. And then it's up for white folks to take that and take ownership over the stuff they're doing and shift it to lift that boot from the neck or that, right? But if there, a person knew how to get out from under, which is not to blame people of color at all. It's to say that it can be incredibly generative and transformative in the context of community in combination with individualized learning to learn about how to over time incrementally remove an internalized oppression from within us through a variety of healing modalities that are out there from co-counseling and reevaluation counseling to somatics, to liberatory mental health support, to meditation, um, and always education is a part of it, to move our minds. I forget the name of the civil rights leader she quotes, who says, to paraphrase, we didn't just need to get rid of Jim Crow. We needed to get rid of the Jim Crow that was embedded in our minds. Because if we didn't, even after... Jim Crow, a number of us would look to go into the back door mm -hmm. rather than through the front door. And that's internalized. It doesn't need to have an external role in order for people to enforce it and continue to have it live. And then the last piece for me that maybe it's like to tie to in this theme around the new year for a number of us, we have already taken ownership, but this is a key step. I think that for many people definitely who are at the beginning of their journey or who are even a year or two in to, to make a promise to yourself that, um, or a commitment to yourself that while being accountable relationship to leaders of color, again, particularly, but not exclusively black and indigenous leaders that you're going to, um, allow the, their leadership to help guide the direction you may go, but you are going to take, you know, you perhaps use a slightly cliche 
metaphor in other spaces, but that you're going to be the driver of the car of your life that you're in around saying that you could use particular directions or get help or get driving lessons or support. This should not be conflated with perfection. That's not what I'm saying. This is a learning journey and a healing and incremental ongoing learning process for all of us, uh, but that you will commit to taking ownership of being on that journey. So once you begin to do that from that place of deeper ownership, what is your racial justice vision for your life and for the world? Like as you take ownership of this, what does it look like for you? What kind of key role do you want to play in your own evolution as well as the evolution or advancement of racial justice in your spheres of influence, in your relationships, in your community, state, and country? What is racial justice? What is your racial justice vision? And I want to, in the spirit again of the Hanukkah oil we talked about, don't worry right now um, as we enter this new year, about being precise in your steps, just get clear about that vision and how you would feel when it comes to be, when there's equity for all of us and when there's racial justice for all people and where there's equity um, and where past wrongs have been righted, what is possible? What inventions could be found? What solutions around global warming could we, um, and global sustainability could we collectively achieve? Tracy, do you want to add anything else to help bring us home? April, I think you really covered it beautifully. I would just paraphrase what you just said, which is that um, for this work, we need both our head and our heart. And so um, let's, let's, let's imagine those visions and then use both our head and our heart to steer us toward them. And it is our job, each of our responsibility um, to do our own work and work in community. And I look forward to a more racially just and equitable 2021 with you, April. It's just like we ended the last episode. Can you hear me? May this be God's will. Yes. Thanks for tuning in. Our show's theme music was composed by Elliot Hammer. You can find this track and other beats on Instagram at Elliot Hammer. If this episode resonated with you, please share it and subscribe. To join the conversation, visit JewsTalkRacialJustice.com, where you can send us a question or suggestion, access our show notes, and learn more about our team. Take care until next time and stay humble and keep going.